Close the Loop, a podcast for marketing and sales decision makers, hosted by Kevin Deeney, who's joined by various guests and subject matter experts to discuss the steps you can take to grow your business and prove it along the way. No need to take notes. Just visit the show page on callsource.com to read the transcripts, watch the episodes, or get any links mentioned in the show. Hello, welcome to the Close the Loop podcast. Today, we're going to be jumping into how to turn more appointments into sales. And I've brought a really special guest today, the sales evangelist, if you ever heard of his podcast. His name is Donald Kelly. Donald has a belief that anyone can sell if they have the desire. Early on in his career, Donald struggled with sales, but through the proper training and coaching, he became a top performing seller. I think that's a really cool lesson to take away from that. He has since taken it upon himself to evangelize the message of effective selling to struggling entrepreneurs, salespeople, and anyone looking to improve their sales hustle. Donald hosts a popular sales podcast, which I alluded to, The Sales Evangelist. This show has over 2.3 million all-time downloads, huge numbers, and is heard in over 150 countries. Donald and his podcasts have also been mentioned in Entrepreneur Magazine, Forbes, Inc. HubSpot is a top B2B sales podcast. So welcome, Donald. We're so happy to have you today. Hey, I appreciate you. Thank you so much. Uh, I'm, I'm grateful that you guys decided and gave me the invitation to be here. Uh, hopefully, I can bring some wisdom to your community. Yeah, we are really excited to jump in. I've also got my co-host again with us, and that's Matt Widmire. Welcome, Matt. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me back. Good to be here. So today's topic of turning more appointments into sales, I'll ground it a little bit about what we're kind of talking about, and then I'll toss it over with a question. So when we're talking about turning more appointments into sales, an appointment is a lot of things to a lot of people. Could be an in-person appointment, could be meetings, could be virtual, could be a lot of things. And for a company or a business, I feel like there's a lot behind that that got them there. It's We're talking about someone who's more than a lead. You've spent money to get this person. You've talked to this person or you've had something, maybe a booking software or something. Get them to an appoint to say, I'm okay with either showing up or being there, or I will be available when you call. I'll be there at my house when you knock. That's the appointment. But how do you turn more of those appointments into sales? And I think some of the struggle there is these people feel like maybe I'm not necessarily a salesperson. Maybe I'm a tech showing up at someone's house. Maybe I am a salesperson calling people all day on the phone. But it could also be like, hey, I'm in a doctor's office or something. And these people are showing up for an appointment. How do I actually get them to go through with that appointment. And I think just generally, when we talk about how do we get more of these appointments that we've set turn into sales, turn into show, turn into whatever we're doing, sales services we're offering. That's really what we're trying to unravel a bit here. So every business that sets appointments is dealing with this. And so one of the things I'd like to ask Donald is, what keeps appointments from turning into sales? What keeps 100% of appointments turning into 100% sales? People are just unpredictable sometimes. <laughs> no, I think one of the, the big piece that comes back down is even in our organization, I'm grateful that we have a, a really 
good rate of people showing up to their appointments. There are many different factors. Internally, some of the things that we see that prevent that from happening is that it, it just may not be the right timing for someone. Because when they come as an inbound lead, those people, they're researching to some degree, they're coming on a website, and it may be they're just preparing for you know next year or preparing for their, their calendar year or, or, or whatnot. So there's still a little bit of research when you get a lot of inbound leads. Um, to that degree. So that's one of the areas that we see. The other thing that we find is just that the person is not fully qualified or vetted for our organization because they're an inbound. They found and they thought it would be good to, to learn about sales coaching or to train their team. So they sign up on the website, but they're not qualified at, at that point. So those are some of the factors that we have seen internally. And then you have the people who they, they're looking for something way inexpensive compared to what you have to offer. And I'm a big believer in that you don't bend over backwards to drop your price just to get someone in the door. And if they're not a fit, it's okay. That's fine. We can go and find somebody else. But those are the top three things that I would see that prevent people from converting from the appointments that we have to becoming an actual sale. One, they're just doing research. Two, they're not qualified for doing business with us. And three, they can't afford us. So those are some of the, the areas. But those are just inbound. On the outbound side, it's a whole different thing. That's where our BDRs, they do the qualification. So those people who come to the table, they're a little bit more higher chance of moving forward to the next level. Yeah, those are really good points. Something that I feel like they all kind of fall under a little bit there that you mentioned is like the fit, the qualification. Mm -hmm. Up front, marketing is telling them, hey, come in for free. But then when you actually did to someone, they get in their appointment, they're like, oh, this is a $50 appointment. I thought this was free. That's like a huge bait and switch problem. <laughs> like marketing, uh-oh. And then when it's a BDR, when it's an appointment setting person, a scheduler, a front office, a salesperson, when whoever's doing that qualifying, if it's passed through them and it gets there and it, there's a miscommunication error. And this was something that Matt had brought up as an interesting question. And that is, so Donald, how do you strike that balance between quality? So very high qualified, right? We, we only want people who we've talked to on the phone, who we've talked to and verified every little detail, but we're going to get less, right? Because we put them through the force of making sure every little bit, every single box is checked. So high quality versus quantity. Let's just get them there as many people as we can. So Matt was like, how do you figure that out? More numbers or higher quality? What do you think? One of the concepts we're adopting and we've adopted it, but it's when I say adopting is continual to improve on. It's the idea of account-based marketing. So that ABM uh, tactic where we're putting our marketing folks in alignment with our sales folks and we're following on that same level because the marketing qualified lead, it could fall under that bracket where marketing is like, hey, this person signed up for something on a website. Sales, go take care of this person. Reach out to them. And, and I would, by all means, send my BDRs to go and do that because I want them to improve. It gives them good practice. They get a chance to become better. But what we've seen to make even more effectiveness is to have that name account. So we might say, for instance, as an organization, this is our dream 100 list that we're going to be going for. Marketing, here's your plays that you're going to run. Sales, here are your plays that you're going to run. We work together on how we can tackle that account. And that way, when that lead comes over, we have vetted it already that your company is a good quality fit. So whether you come from a webinar, then they can sit, the team look at it together and say, hey, guys, here are all the people who came from the webinar. How many of these people were on our dream list? Boom, we have Matt and Kevin. They came from this sales. This is your opportunity. Why don't you follow up on that and hit them up and, and so forth? But it's that, it's a unisense. It takes work, but that makes such a big difference as opposed to just spray and pray. 
throw it to everybody out there. And again, we unfortunately with a podcast like ours, we can get um, people come back to the website. We get people come to our webinars and so forth. And, and again, a percentage of those, those people are still going to be people who may not be on the dream list of folks that we're focusing on right now, but they could be MQL, marketing qualified lead. They downloaded a piece of content. They're interested in to some degree in sales coaching or one of our mindset program or a business development program. They were on that page. They came to a webinar they can still be followed up on as well. But the best way to fix it is to you take control by having that ABM account-based marketing strategy with sales and marketing. So one of the really cool things that you've brought up there is having some pretty well-oiled alignment, especially between marketing and sales. That's like a huge topic problems. Uh, yeah, them not working super well in unison. The simplest way to put it would be like, okay, when marketing gets a lead, all they're asking is their name and their email. And then when we throw it over the fence, they're like, okay, <laughs> who is this? Who are we talking to? What are they interested in? You didn't collect any of that. And then when the sales side or the SDR side or the appointment or the outbound team is like, man, we're having to ask like 10, 12 questions. Marketing's only <laughs> asking just two basic demographic things. That's like, okay, let's try to get more aligned. Let's try to get it to a point where both teams aren't sacrificing a lot. Because every time you add a field on a marketing form, we know this, it lowers the amount of people who are going to fill it out. It obviously increases the quality. That's like how marketing interprets it too. How many fields can I get away with putting on the form? How much important information is really going to be relevant? Do we really care for certain details? But and, yeah, go ahead, Donald. Yeah. We have been using the text messaging platform for businesses and for teams. So what happens now, we do this in an automated way. But we also can do it in a manual because text messaging provide a little bit more of the, that personal connection. So somebody fills out a form on our website, they uh, set up an appointment via Calendly. We have their text message, their phone number. And then what we can start doing if they fill that out is start to do the qualification. So we ask them, hey, what is it that brought you in today? They start answering some of those questions that marketing could take care of and might say, well, this person may not be good for the appointment for sales but maybe we can provide them some more intel. So find out what industry they're a part of, find out what brought them in, or just some of those basic things. And you could say, in order to prep for our appointment, want to just get a couple of things in advance. And it's personal because it's a text message. It literally is a text message that come through. I actually got one that came in for appointment that somebody confirmed 19 minutes ago. <laughs> they look forward to chatting, but it was an automated message that I send out, but it comes from my phone number and it comes on my phone. But again, that personalization make it even more effective to qualify and people are willing to answer that rather than responding to the email if that makes sense. On the marketing side, we use tools that help us do what's called like progressive profiling where it's like, okay, let's put a little bit less up front, but then we're going to check and gate along the way before we throw it over to Matt's team. Matt's the place where we send all our leads. So in our company, that's how it works. Marketing sh shoots them all over to Matt's team. Take care of these, Matt. <laughs> Did we get to sift through them? <laughs> Yes, he, he's the one who'll come back to me and be like, okay, quality, not good. Quality, too good. Or quantity, not good. You know, And we work together and try to figure that out with some alignment going on there. So Matt, a uh, question for you then. So one of the things that's come up from this is when your team is talking to someone and you're, you've got them in person, on the phone, real time, you're having a conversation, you're not seeing them, you're not in front of them in person, but you're on the phone. So... How do you set better expectations and firmer appointments? And we call it a firmer appointment here, where it's not just a date, but it's also a time. So that's how we describe a firm appointment versus a soft, like, oh, yeah, I'll be, I'm, a, I'm available on that day. And then they check off. A firmer one meaning like, I'm ready at this day at this time. And how do you set better expectations and set more firmer appointments? 
Right. Uh, that, that's what I'm here to learn, right? From Donald. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's all about building that value on that first phone call. Give them a reason to show up. I think the, the main idea of what we're trying to do here is we're trying to loosen the status quo a little bit, right? The people that we're reaching out to from an outbound perspective, they may or may not have issues within their business that we might be able to solve for them. My two secret weapons are respect their time. Obviously, if you're getting them out of the blue, I'm not looking to get into everything right now. I'm looking to set up a call for later on next week or whatever. So the first thing is just be re very respectful of their time. And the second one is the indifference. It's not for everybody. And they should know that going into it. So the indifference and setting expectations. Let them know what they're getting themselves into. Don't say it's going to be a quick five-minute phone call if somebody's going to call them at uh, the scheduled time and want to talk to them for 30, 45 minutes. It's going to drive them nuts. It's going to, it's going to make it look like a total bait and switch from our side. I see Donald smiling over there because he's probably experienced this a million times. So I think really just setting expectations, being very clear about what kind of value we can potentially bring to the table. Not assuming if their business is completely broken and we're going to fix everything, Just but just going Hey, it looks like based on your situation, we, there may be an opportunity to work together. Do you have some time next week? And then if we can connect, cool. If not, you know, no sweat. When's a better time? I think queuing it up pre-appointment like that would make a stronger appointment. And you know what I love about that is we've done the short appointment thing before. One of my big things, especially when I connect with somebody on LinkedIn, tell them five to seven minutes. And if you tell them that though, you need to make sure you stick to it because it's nothing like your integrity going out the window. So when it hits that seven minute mark, be like, Hey, our appointment, I told you five to seven minutes. So I want to make sure that you know, we're going to end the call here. But if they say, no, no, keep going, then at least they gave you the authorization to do that. But you are respecting and staying to your guns on it. And I've been a part of those things where it's like, yeah, let's chat for a couple minutes. And it's like, why is this going for 30 minutes? What kind of couple is this, man? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> This is a couple of minutes. I'd love to see what an hour looks like. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've heard a pretty cool tactical tip here. And obviously, I haven't been able to apply it. I'm not on your team, Matt, and I'm not doing the sales here. But I read... Uh-oh, I think somebody's trying to come into the sales side, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> I'm breaking the third wall here. So <laughs> the the tip I heard for this was... Okay, if someone's very interested, very anxious to get going, they're, they're like gung-ho, you try to put those on an appointment for a team, for an account executive, a salesperson as soon as possible. You try to get them booked as soon as possible. And someone who's, let's say, more on the fence, less interested, maybe less gung-ho, they don't mention anything that gives you that impression of, I, I'm not ready to go just yet. I'm really exploring and in the discovery phase here to put those meetings in the later part of the week or further down. Reserve on people's calendars, only those appointments in the immediate quick. Obviously, we want to just get every appointment in front of a salesperson as soon as possible. There's that feeling. But I, I thought it was interesting that they were like, look, we only reserve those fast, quick appointments like in the next day or so for those people who are ready to go. And then after that, the two days down the road or three days down, Appointments booked in there are kind of telling the salesperson, okay, this person is sort of in the fence figuring it out. And obviously, that's something I think that's really hard to get a nuance of. And you have to figure out where someone is in you know, their buying process. But I thought that was an interesting concept of for the firm appointment, you're actually dictating, you're giving them a range of when they can set that appointment, but you're choosing that range based on their engagement up front. 
Yeah, do you have? Do you guys have a propensity to buy, like ready to go right now? Do you guys treat those, or I guess how would somebody that's feeling that be able to treat that with a little more urgency versus something that's just checking things out on the website or whatever, you know? Yeah, for me internally, the way that we do it, we use Calendly to schedule appointments. So if somebody comes in. If we want to get an appointment with somebody on LinkedIn, it's a 15 minute appointment. We know what those are. And then we have certain time period block on our day. So those are people who are not quite firm, a specific thing. I get so many people who come and want to follow or connect with me. And we have someone that works my LinkedIn inbox. So here you go. You've seen behind now the Oz, why I can keep up my LinkedIn inbox. And then what they do is they try to categorize and person could be a potential community, you know, connection or potential sale or potential um, business development opportunity there. So they have different things and they will send them the different Calendly link based on that. And a similar thing with our business development team. If it's someone that we know is coming in from the website or somebody that's really interested, they're going to schedule that, that time, that learn more time and they'll give them that link. But if it's somebody that is not fully qualified, not fully vetted, put them in for that small slot. We have several of those on a calendar so they can do it that way. So that's how we tier them, so to speak. The hot, ready to learn more and potentially go, hey, I'm just kicking tires, looking around and I want to chat with you guys, see what you get, what you really do. And that makes it, those are totally different type of appointments, but yeah. Here's the next pivot question toward process. How does tracking the sales process, how could tracking the sales process, Donald, lead to more sales? How does tracking it, knowing what's going on in there, lead to more sales. Oh, Ooh, get me all excited, man. Ooh, I'm about to jump out and then go scream because I know with a lot of small business owners, the way that they do it is winging. I spoke to a business owner recently. They said that the way they keep track of their opportunities is guess what? Through Excel. And I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. Your business is doing all right, but you're going through Excel. It's a small business owner. You need something to keep track of that. Where is the formality? Where is the function? Where do we see the percentage? Where are we having issues? For instance, a sales process where we have the initial conversation, then maybe you have a deeper discussion and maybe you have a demo and then maybe you have close. I'm just making this up super simple. If I am keeping track of that on Excel and I'm trying to track it myself personally without having a CRM. How am I knowing what my performance is like? Yeah, we get like 10 appointments per week that's going into the initial conversation and five of those convert over to deeper discussion. But imagine trying to track all of that by data. Imagine if your team could see and you could look at a distance and say, man, we're getting a high percentage of people doing demos, but we're not getting anyone to do a sale. What is happening there? And it's an easy way for you to, be able to isolate and say, well, something is going wrong with our demonstration. What are we doing? Are these people even qualified for a demo? Is there something else that we should be doing? And then maybe we're saying we're skipping over the deeper discussion because we're not getting the right people on board. We're not getting the the right pain points before we give them a demonstration because we need to do better at that. And let's role play some of those practices. And then the other part to that too, once not only the idea of understanding your metrics, the other thing is that it makes your process go by quicker now that you have one formal process as opposed to, well, this person's coming in, maybe I'll go this way with them or maybe I'll do this with them. Follow the process. We know it works. Keep them all in the loop and keep them, guide them throughout the process. And what happens with business owners and sales professionals is when we start skipping steps that we start messing up. And I can tell you, I've done it. So I'm just, 
I'm speaking from experience. I can't point fingers at anyone. I can point at this guy because I've been there where I was like, oh man, I don't need to worry about stuff. I'm just going to go in. I'm just j- jump into this conversation. No preparation. Didn't get the right information. Didn't do the research because I skipped that step because I thought I knew more. And when I got into that conversation, it was a crappy conversation and it was almost a waste of their 30 minutes or 45 minutes and t- a waste of time for me. And that didn't progress towards anything because I was skipping step and I may have lost out in a lot of times on those deals. But I, I came to realize, follow it, follow it, follow it. Have a religious process pretty much with your sales process that everyone can understand, everyone follows. And now when you bring somebody on, a new team member, they're not saying, well, Matt does it this way and David does it this way and Amber does it this way. They know this is what we do. We can always optimize it. If somebody finds a better idea, a better way to do a demo or a better place to do a deeper discussion or whatnot, if we can fine tune those things, we will include that in the process, test it. But you want to test and improve rather than just winging it. You can't wing it if you're going to really scale your business. And that's one of the harsh reality that we just need to let small business owners know. No way, no way that you're going to really get to that, that high growth part if you're just going to keep winging it. Matt, I, I think you could give us a pretty good background and history of how we've gone from notepad walking around <laughs> sales to <laughs> what we are today. Do you want to catch up on how you manage your team with metrics, how it evolved? Oh, man. I've never understood the Excel thing. It's like, what do you guys do? Just send to everyone at the company your spreadsheet at the end of the week or what? <laughs> we have a very clearly defined sales process and it still cracks me up. But every once in a while, you'll still get someone who's like, oh, I don't use Salesforce like that. What do you mean you don't use it like that? It's, <laughs> I use it. This is how I use Salesforce or something like that. It's like, oh, you're using it wrong. So... <laughs> Not nearly as much of that though as we, as before, but we do have a clearly defined sales process. And like you said, I totally am on the same page. And me and Kevin here, we both very much drink the the Kool Aid when it comes to analytics and CRM reporting and stuff like that because that, that is the lifeline of our business. But I do think that by having those clearly defined stages, I think that we are able to go in and pinpoint out rather than just say like, okay, here's our generic training this week or whatever. It's like now we're able to isolate out and see where are they falling short in the sales process. Are you sending out a bunch of contracts and not getting many back? Well, maybe you need to get a little bit more of a firmer commitment um, before you send that thing out to start with. Everywhere from the initial agreeing to being on an appointment to the demo, to the price quote, to the contract. I mean, there's something to learn, but I do think that through our evolution, I think that one of the main things is just getting a next step on every single phone call. Because if you leave it to somebody else's devices to dictate your success, then you're doing it wrong. You know, and one of the things I think is important with that, when I work with BDRs, a lot of them, a lot of them, they're not as confident and they're trying to discover who they are in the first place. So they will. They just they they get pushed around. And what I mean by this is like if you think about it. The prospect, how often does the, let me just ask you guys, how often does your prospects or your clients buy your solution? It's a monthly service. And if you think about that too, when it comes towards your prospects, right? When they are not buying this thing every single day, they don't know. They are not the expert at it. You are the expert. I am the expert when it comes towards sales training. You're not buying sales training. This is when we get done with the initial conversation, just to give you a guidance, you may have some questions about some ideas, what the next step is. What we've seen to be the best step for folks who really want to get their sales team going, they would want to see this. 
So when can we set up a time that we can go and do this together? Would you like to see this? Would you like to go to the next step and go see a, a demonstration or see some of the services that we have to offer? Oh, yeah, great. Because they don't know. It's kind of like me going to Kenya and then I'm going to dictate, well, you know what? I want to go see this and I want to go see it. I've never been to Kenya. Well, you're my guide. Tell me where I need to go. What's the next thing I should be looking for? How should I do this? I have an idea. I know I want to see some of these things and go on a safari, right? But I don't know where to go freaking find a safari. How do I get there? What do I need to do? Should I not wear red or white? I mean, what what is it? You know what I mean? And that's where I see the business development reps are like, okay, well, yeah, thanks for being here in Kenya. Yeah, go for a safari ride. Let me know when you're ready. Like, no, here we go. These are the times that we're going to do safari ride. We leave at 8, 12, and 4. Which one of these work best for you next week or tomorrow? Great. I'll take, take 4 o'clock. There you go. So anyways. Yeah, so that is a really interesting point and brings me to a question for you, Donald. <laughs> so there is a point where someone is just not going to buy and when we talk about it together, we're like, okay, th- when do we have to close loss on opportunity? When do we have to let something go? Like we put a lot into this. We're not necessarily saying, look, we're never going to talk to you again. We're never going to email again. Never going to market you again. We're just like, look, we're taking this off our serious pipeline and putting you into a different place. And then when you're ready, let's move forward. So how do you figure out when to sort of give up on something? It's just not going to get there. Because before it's like, okay, we need to get these guys to be a little more firm a little more objective, a little bit more. This is how things need to work as the guide. But when is the guide supposed to say, okay, look, you're just, this is a safari. If you're not here for that, there's another place for you. You know what I mean? How does that go? (laughs) And I think it goes back down to your qualifications, the things that your metrics that you want to look at. If someone misses an appointment twice, or maybe it's three times, we reschedule and they missed it. We reach out to them, reschedule, they missed it. Reach out to them. Well, clearly they're not, either they're super busy and maybe somebody else in the company should be the one doing this, or perhaps they're just not interested. That would be the first thing that I look at personally. It's like, let's find somebody else that could be the best fit in the organization. Number two, if, if I know they're not qualified for what we're doing, or even if they're not ready for one of our programs right now, we have these programs and these things. And I've had people who, you know, they can't do it. So we, we downshift, right? We give them lower offerings. And if they can't take any of those offerings, we put them on some kind of drip campaign or maintain relationship, put them in an educational campaign or, or whatnot. And those people maybe six months or a year later raised their hands and now they're fully qualified and are capable. But I want to see first if they, one, if they can't fulfill any of those qualifications that if they are not looking for training, they don't have the budget, they're not the right contact, then I'm going to find somebody else in the organization. If they're the main decision maker and they just, they don't click those, then we take them off and put them somewhere else. And then the other piece is if they're missing appointments, if they're not taking the appointment, then clearly that's to me, this is not importance to them. And my time is valuable. So I want to make sure I get the people who are going to be worthy, so to speak, of uh, me having an interaction with and vice versa, that they recognize the value of their own time and want to maintain that relationship with me. I don't know if that makes sense. I don't know what you guys do internally, Matt, if it's something to that nature. No, it totally does. If you're chasing somebody down to even get them on an appointment, it tells you a little bit about what kind of client they're going to be from day one, right? We want to make sure the value is there from the beginning. Absolutely. So, so Matt, then here's a question for you. And you can be, let's tell it brutally honest. Who do you blame when the sale goes wrong? <laughs> How do you figure that out? We have to blame someone. Not, it doesn't have to be a scapegoat for everything. But obviously, we want to learn from the ones we lose. And we want to be able to figure out, okay, is this a pattern? And if it's a pattern and it's caused by something that we're doing, then we want to fix it. Obviously, if it's something to do with the qualification on the phone, then that's things you want to train on. 
But what if it's the thing that marketing just loves to hear? These leads are crap. So <laughs> how do you figure out who and what to blame for these things going bad, Matt? You could be brutally honest here. Hey, I came for, I was you know, marketing the team for a while too. I got a lot of that as well. Like, Hey, these things is a waste of my time. This, this lead sucked. No, you suck. And then and that's all the whole conversation, right? How it goes. But I don't really, I don't point the finger right away to answer your question. I don't really point the finger right away. I look and see what's going on, evaluate the situation. Everybody has their one off day, right? Crappy leads come in. Doesn't matter how hard you try to avoid them. They'll come in. Salespeople will botch things. They won't admit it, but they'll botch things every once and again and think about it afterwards. We do, we record inbound calls, right? So we, we're able to dive really deep into it. And see, I don't really like playing the whole, you should have done this, you should have done that game. It almost always reminds me of being in Vegas, like playing blackjack and the dealer's like, you bust and the dealer's like, oh, well, you should have done this. It's like, why didn't you say that before? <laughs> Thanks for that after the fact advice. I think if it was a really important one, it just really depends on the size of it and the potential of it. And if I think something's really awesome and it gets botched, I'll look into the usually the activity history and see if we missed it somewhere. It's a training opportunity. But I think for the most part, if you're telling me that Kevin specifically, if you're telling me that, hey, I have an influx of tier 1A leads coming through and then but somebody interested in, in things that we don't do or we can't sell for it, I'll, I'll let you know. Yeah, absolutely. I think the main thing is these conversations, you stay away from the blame game, right? Because I can go on for hours. You just stick to the facts. Okay, what's what's happening here? What happened with this? What happened with that? What can we do next time? And then it's it's always learning, tweaking, improving. It's a cycle, right? What I love about that too, Matt, what I love about what you're saying there too, is like encouraging the sales team, but it's the idea of let's look at it and see did I do something wrong first? What could I have done? Because even if something did get crappy, you took it, you had it. What Was there something that you could have done better? So let's say Kevin did toss over a lead and it wasn't fully qualified. Now, do I just say, well, crap, Kevin, that was a crappy lead. Or could I have said, well, maybe we can educate this person a little bit more. How could I help them to better understand our firm? How can I do a, a better job? Can I help them go a little bit further? Maybe they don't qualify for this product. Could I get them to this other product? And that's where your salesmanship uh, come in, like your capability to, to help identify problems and to help somebody to grow from there. I think it's better off to look at it as a team problem. I played uh, soccer in middle school and soccer is one of those games. You can't just say, well, I did my part. I scored, but the team lost. Well, you guys suck. That's not how it works. Even though you can score all the points, you can do the very, very best at your job, but we are as a team. So we can collectively look and see how can we perform better? Well, could I drop back and help out a little bit more with defense because we were up so many points? Well, the other team was scoring a lot as well. Could I do more to play defensively to help prevent the guys from getting down to my goalie in the first place? And I think that's how we, we look at it in, in this vein. Like, what could I have done better? What was my responsibility? And if we all take that type of aspect, then there's no blame. It's the team lost. So screw it. You guys, we all suck. We all need to improve. It's not one person. And I love that approach. So management is looking at that or trying to be like, okay, here's what's going on with this person. Here's what's going on with that person. And then they're trying to either coach or mentor or train, or is there something that my team doesn't have control of that another team does that we could influence? So putting that all out there, everything we've talked about, and that is how 
in the next 90 days, let's say, what kind of advice would we give to businesses who want to increase their appointment to sale ratio? Are there get more <laughs> appointments turned into sales? So Donald, anything that stood out to you or that you'd want to make sure that a business is thinking about so that it can turn more appointments into sales and they want to do it urgently in the next 90 days? The first thing, if you don't have the process, you got to have the process. It will save you. It will make such a world of difference. Let me just give you an example. 90 days from now, and let's say you have a team, you have two business development rep and yourself. They set appointments for you and you close the deals. Let's just follow that. We need to make sure if they don't have this in place, they know exactly what a zebra looks like. And I'm giving a big shout out to my friends over selling to zebra. They need to know a zebra is black and white stripes. You can't make any mistakes on that. This is what an ideal customer for us looks like. Great. This is what you'd need to ask to see if this person is a zebra, if they're an ideal customer for us. Perfect. And then once they're on that conversation, this is a flow of what you're doing on this, those uh, initial conversation to make sure it happens. Great. And then even before that, this is what you need to do to ensure that appointments come in. If it's on my team, one of the things we do is we connect with a person on LinkedIn. So we have the text messaging going on, but I might reach out to you and say, Hey, Matt, super excited to meet with you. Super excited to chat with you next week. It would be an honor here to connect on LinkedIn, permission to connect. Like, Oh, great. This person is reaching out to me already. And then marketing is already on top of it, sending reminder messages. And then the salesperson has the appointment confirmed. So we're doing those things so we can cover those bases. And then I can continue to guide Matt and I can engage on some of his posts or some of his content on LinkedIn because I'm just trying to let him know, hey, I'm here. I'm looking forward to chatting with you in a couple of weeks. And I say, oh, Matt, love that point you made on this blog post, blah, 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 blah. But at least I am prepping and that likelihood of Matt con- canceling with a friend decreases significantly. And then once they come into the meeting, we know exactly what the BDRs are going to say, exactly the process they're going to follow. And that more than likely will help us to be able to get to a sale. And anyone could do that. You can sit down and write that stuff out today. And if you don't know it, look at, sit down with one of your BDRs tomorrow and find out what is the the best one? What is it that you guys are doing to get the best appointment or get people to show up to your appointment and to turn into opportunities and sales? Listen to what they say, record it on your phone, and it's beautiful. And now you have your process there and make sure everybody follows that. That's what I would say in the next 90 days. Somebody could do. Matt and I love hearing things like that because we're, like as Matt has said before in the past, we're CRM fanboys. <laughs> <laughs> we're all about the data and the process. Not everyone thinks in that way, but that's why Donald's saying you don't have to be, you know, a NASA scientist here. <laughs> To figure this out. What is simply what has to happen to make the sale? And then what along that path are we able to track and what are we not? If there's a gap there, like, okay, well, I, I can track it up to this point, but at this point I can't. Maybe there's a tool, maybe there's something. What is that worth to you to be able to see what's failing there and then to be able to train and, and move forward with it? Uh, we're kind of at the cusp of time. The the last little thing, if you could talk about it quickly, Donald, would be Coaching, mentoring, training your team. How do leaders get their team following it? How do they get their team excited about it? If you have something pretty brief, you could touch on there. I call it money and fire. <laughs> if you do it right, you get more money. If you don't, you get fired. <laughs> no. <laughs> Uh, that's awesome. <laughs> I might have to use that. I probably there's a new book I'm going to write now. Money and fire. <laughs> uh, the, I think one of the best things you can do is never, ever, ever assume. And it sounds like you guys do a fantastic job of not assuming with looking at the data there. But when I when I meet with my team, what one of the things is to make sure to schedule times. I've made the mistake before where 
I assumed that the team knew exactly what they're supposed to do. There was a process in place, but they just didn't follow. And I give a perfect example was me. I was working as a software sales rep and I was doing pretty decent. I was one of the top performers on the team. And I met with my manager on cue every single month. I met with Lori every month uh, for my coaching session. She knew that we were trying to save money. She knew we wanted to do some travel and buy a house, all the stuff. So she knew what we were doing. She understood my personal goal and then how I could accomplish that. And for me, just vocalizing that to someone... And someone that was like a mentor that I looked up to and respected. And then someone that was able to give me feedback and guidance, it helped. And I was able to go out and apply. But Lori, she was a selling manager. And then what started happening, we started to do pretty decent as an organization. So she felt that we didn't need to do those coaching and the executive team. So we stopped doing the coaching. But gradually what started happening with the sales team, it's not that we're all a bunch of crap idiots. It's just that because we won't have that consistent accountability and that coaching, our performance just decreased a little bit. And it wasn't until they, the, the executive team recognized that. And I mentioned it to her. I was like, I liked our coaching session. We started to see an uptick again because the team had that one-on-one with their leader. It's like a parent. You give them a roof over their head and you give them food. I mean, technically, yes, you're a parent. But if you were to sit down with your kid and just have some time, tell me about school today. How was your, how was your classes? Let me read you some stories. Let me find out how your homework's doing. Let's review it together. That's much better parenting than just like saying, eat, go school, and good luck. <laughs> You're out at 18. It's like, no, um, I want to be that better parent. And it's the same idea with uh, coaching the team. Is it perfect? You know, absolutely not. Am I always on there doing everything every single moment? No, you mess up and you, you miss times and the meetings need to be changed for coaching sessions. And I've missed months. But the point is you just, you keep it consistent and you do it as much as you can to be consistent and be there. I, I've also seen like being in those weekly team meetings and being a part of that huddle and getting them to practice with you and seeing you. I mean, I make phone calls too with them. And when I do that, it's amazing what happens with that performance. Not that they're incompetent. It's just the fact that you're there. It's being that pep rally. And the one last thing I remember my mom, she worked and she had her schedule change at one point. So she was home when we got home. And it was cool. And sometimes she was there. And the fact that she was just home, I was like excited. And I could go and do my thing and play outside or whatever. And she's like, how was your day? It was good. Blah, blah, blah. I want to go watch TV now. But the days when I came home and she were at home, I'm like, where's mom? Where's mom? Where's she at? <laughs> so I don't know if that makes sense, but your presence just makes such a whole big difference for your sales team. It inspires them. Sounds like a lot of the things you're doing over there, Matt. Yeah. Yeah. I like the best kings grab their swords and go into battle with their knights too, right? I, I love that. Yes. Unless you're trying to get rid of all of them, just send them out there on the front lines. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> uh, well, so thank you so much, Donald, for coming on. We've really narrowed down a lot of good ideas about turning you know more appointments into sales, focusing on the process, focusing on the coaching, tracking what's going on, having a good idea of where things are at the right amount of time on things, knowing when to let things go, and then coaching and mentoring and constantly improving along the way. All those tools are pretty essential for a management or for a salesperson or for someone who's helping appointments turn into sales. The alignment there with marketing is mentioning and other departments, support, whatever it is, IT operations, any kind of company could probably benefit from all of the things we've talked about today. So thank you, Donald, for coming in. And is there any way that you'd like to share that people can get to know more about you, about your company, anything that you do or, or follow up with you? Yeah. If you find that you're in a position where you do your very best to set appointments, you're having conversations, you're sending proposals, you're doing everything that you thought that you need to do with your prospect, and you're 
still not getting those deals closed, we can help with that. And that's where my team and I come in. We have different programs. We have one-on-one coaching. We work with individuals. We work with group coaching, working with teams. And we also do consulting where one of me or one of our consultants work with an organization, develop their playbooks and their processes and guide them. And we also have cohorts where we do business development training. Every other month, we have different programs. Mindset is a really popular one. We have people join that. We partner with the Pacific Institute and it's built all around science. So people know what to do, but helping them to maximize how to do it every single day. So from our training programs, one-on-one coaching to group coaching, masterminds or consulting, they can find all of that by going to the salesevangelist.com. And if you just want to connect with me and to chat, you can also connect with me on LinkedIn or any platform, Donald C. Kelly. He's also got a great podcast called the Sales Evangelist Podcast. I would check it out. Check it out. <laughs> All right. So thank you, guys. Thank you so much for coming on. And listeners, we really appreciate you listening. We hope you got a lot out of this. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Donald. Uh, thanks, guys. Thanks, Donald. Good having you, man. Hey, thanks for having me. <laughs>